podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Positivity Podcast on Enfield Index. My name is Matt McElroy, and I will be your moderator for today's discussion. I am joined, as always, by Lubo Markov and Paul Jenkins. Paul, how are you doing today? Yeah, doing very well. Um, it's been a nice, chilled, um, relaxing day here. Um, chilled in more ways than one because the weather has taken an incredibly cold turn. Um, so... Uh, I have the fire lit, um, and enjoying the heat from that because it's been it's been a lovely like a lovely sunny day, but absolutely freezing. Like the car was frozen this morning, so yeah, I'm doing really really good. Um, a wee bit later, um, in the evening, so I can't tell you what the weather's like right now because it's dark. Um, but it, yeah, well, I'm doing good here. That's that's fantastic. Um, and and Lubo, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, today is going to be uh, watching women's football. I watched earlier today uh, Everton uh, beat Liverpool at Anfield, which is really painful. I think this is the, they've done it twice now, uh, winning at Anfield uh, back in the Super League. And uh, I'm going later today to see Gotham FC. It's the last last game of the season. And I believe if they win, they're going to make the playoffs. In fact, even if they draw, I think there's a good chance they'll make the playoffs. So that is that is uh, yeah, that's exciting, and I also believe it's the last regular season uh, game for Ali Krieger. So it's 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 going to be a bit of a special special game. I'm going with a, a handful of people from uh, um, uh, New York's uh, Liverpool's uh, New York Supporters Club. So ho- hopefully it's a good game. Hopefully they win. That's my Sunday. Yeah, sounds great. Uh, should good. be an an interesting um, interesting uh, game there to watch. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm still, I'm feeling great with, um, still basking in the glow of, uh, the university of Washington's win over Oregon yesterday in college football. So I'm very, <laughs> very pumped about that. I, I've actually seen You're now, pumped. I've been reading about it, that, uh, uh, Washington are considered that now one of the teams that may, may sneak into the top four and into the championship, uh, uh, uh playoff uh, picture. So uh, that actually would be big news for 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 uh, for Washington if it happened. Yes, it would be our first time in the playoffs since 2016, and yeah, it does look like as long as we can, you know, manage the difficult schedule remaining, that we we should be in in the playoffs. So that that's what I thought they could be all year, and it looks like it's going to come through. So re- really excited about that. That's cool. I, I normally don't really watch college football until. It gets to the playoffs. It's just too many college teams, and I don't really have a specific team to watch. The college I went to did not have a football team, so uh, for me, it's just waiting for the for the playoffs time, or or right before the playoffs when there are some big games. Usually, when you have the the what is called the 
the different conference uh, title games or whatever. I'll, I'll watch some of that. Yeah, I've been watching UW play since I was about five years old, so it's a, a lifelong habit at this point. Well, yeah. hopefully, they, hopefully they go deep into the playoffs. I mean, it'd be nice if they won it. It's probably unlikely, but I hope they may at least make the playoffs. Yeah, I don't know. With Mike Penix, I think anything's possible. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's probably a good time to, to start shifting uh, to looking at Liverpool. Uh, and... Unfortunately, we'll start with something that's a little bit more frustrating. Um, guys, what is the worst referee call against Liverpool since F- FSG took over prior to this season? Paul, do you want to start us on that one? Well, there's there's obviously been a number of them. <clears throat> My, so I'm maybe a wee bit different to a lot of people. Um, I generally take the opinion that Referees are still fallible and there's still going to be a lot of instances where they get things wrong, even with uh, VAR and all the rest of it. And so when it comes down to refereeing decisions, I tend not to take a whole lot of notice of them um, just because <clears throat> I kind of think it's a wee bit pointless because you're never going to change the result or the outcome after they've made the decision. Um, and uh, I generally just, it's just, I just think it's part of football where you still get these things wrong and has been, I guess, the charm of football and the annoyance of a lot of football fans where referees do these type of things and, and miss, you know, miss uh, incidences of games and, and all the rest of it. But I think one of the, the, the worst referee call that I was kind of thinking about when, 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 you know, we looked at this, we chatted about this question and when you, you proposed this question was the idea or the thought around, um, it's actually the Man City-Everton game where um, they didn't give the penalty um, to Everton for the Rodri handball, wasn't it? Um, and you kind of think like, sometimes it's decisions in our games that have annoyed us. And then sometimes it's decisions in other games that have really influenced or impacted us, which has probably annoyed me more. Um, and it's uh, and, and so that kind of was one of them ones where, and like you know, I never really want to see Everton do too well, or you know, pick up points and all the rest of it. But <clears throat> when they're playing Man City, if there's any way that, that Everton can do us a favour, I'm going to take it. Um, and you just kind of, I remember looking at that game going, that's a stonewall penalty, stonewall handball, and the referees just have decided they're not going to give it. And, you know, I know we'll probably talk about this or touch upon this. If you ever have any thoughts towards a conspiracy theory and referees and PGMO and everyone else being completely against Liverpool, <clears throat> it's incidences like that. Sometimes not in our games, but in other games that have an impact on us where you would kind of go... It's hard to argue against it, um, and so that's probably one for me. And then um, I think the, if I'm going to be completely honest as well, it'll be the the game against Everton, um, was it two years ago when Virgil got you know had his massive injury, and you know Pickford and everything that kind of went on around that, and you're like, wow, why did they not give him a red card? And then coming out after the game saying they could have, and you just look at things like that. Um, but um, I don't have anything that really. I don't have anything that really sticks out in my head. It might be something that Matt or Lobo, you guys have something that's kind of more pressing in your heads. Yeah. I, so when I was thinking about this and and looking at um, some of the decisions, it was the one <clears throat> where 
uh, I think it was was uh, Jonathan Moss was like, I didn't see it. I'm going to give the penalty. And that was against Tottenham. Oh, um, Spurs. Yeah. Yeah, right. It's like, I didn't see what happened, but I'm going to give a penalty anyways. That one was pretty yes. bad. Like, I, I don't understand how you could, like, say you didn't see what happened and then <laughs> or award a very consequential, you know, thing, uh, you know, yeah. in a, in a, the, the penalty, just giving the, at one team a, a 75% chance at a goal in a low scoring game is, is like, it's a, it's a huge decision. So like that one mm-hmm. really stood out to me. Um, and then in the 18, 19 season at city, when Vincent company misses the ball, hits Mo's studs up and Mo's the last man, uh, and only gets a yellow. That one, mm. like that one, like stood out to me as like how how did he not get sent off there, right? And that that would have changed the whole game because I think that that happened pretty early on, like in the mm. around like the twentieth minute, and Liverpool then go on to lose that game two one and lose the title by one point, and it was basically yeah. that game that decided it. Um, so yeah, the, those those two decisions stood out to me as like some of the worst calls against Liverpool. Um, so Lubo, Lubo, what were your uh, examples? <clears throat> so, so thinking about this, I tried to figure out, uh, try to go to the seasons where we lost the title uh, very closely. So if you start 13-14, and, and there was no VAR at that time, so you cannot blame VAR. But that 13-14 season, there were a couple of, uh, and we lost it by two points, and there were a couple of decisions that were just so terrible. One was uh, Raheem Sterling, being basically three yards onside and scoring a goal at Man City uh, and, being, and then the, the goal build disallowed for offside. And the referee raised the flag very late as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and we lost 2-1 and obviously Man City got all three points and at the end we lost the title by two points. So that was just a, a, just a terrible, terrible call. Uh, but also that season, the game against Chelsea um, that, that, uh, that uh, we lost, there was a, 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 a just a blatant handball on, I, f- I forget who was the defender, uh, one of the Chelsea defenders. It was a, a Gerrard doing one of his stupid shots from 25 yards. But the guy literally was, just fell onto the ball. And as he was falling, uh, he, he uh, just stretched out his arm, made a movement with his arm toward the, the ball, stopped it, and they didn't give the penalty. And it was just such a blatant penalty, which if it scored, uh, make it 1-1, you just never know how the title race would have, would have ended up that season. So those are just a couple of just terrible referee decisions that didn't have VAR, you couldn't really review. Uh, and then in the, in the, 20, in the uh, 18-19 season, uh, same, same example that uh, you had uh, that game uh, at Man City where Vincent Company did not get sent off. Um, and not only did that really deprive us of the title, but we, we would have gone invincible. <laughs> really, that, that, that season we would have gone in, uh, had we uh, won or even just drawn, we would have gone in invincible, we would have won the title in, in that season. That would have been just an incredible, uh, incredible season. And that just, I mean, you could see the referee, same, same with what Michael Oliver did for Kovacic, uh, not giving a red card. He probably thought, okay, I'm not going to, uh, give a red card this early into the game in such a big game because I don't want to be, I don't know, seen as a homer or whatever. So they just swallowed the whistle, did not give the right decision. And then you end up uh, uh, just 
suffering for it. And then 21-22 season, the, the handball against Rodri at Everton, absolutely. But there was another, um, also another game, another Man City game. Uh, it was uh, home to Wolves, where yeah, they gave, a, uh, it was a, 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 I think it was a cross that hit the armpit of, uh, I forget, Ruben Neves or Moutinho. One of those, and it, it, they didn't say anything. Uh, the, the ref didn't give a penalty, and then VAR called him back, and they reviewed and somehow decided that, that the ball hitting the armpit was a penalty. And it was just terrible. And it, that was the, the winning goal. They won, um, they won that game 1-0, and that was the difference. So either, either the Everton game or that Wolves game, one of those two goal, uh, calls not going Man City's way, and we would have won the title. So just uh, pretty, pretty, pretty blatant. Uh, decisions there. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, the it's just like there's so many examples where the referees and their decisions basically make make or break your season, right? Lots of, uh, what do you call it, like sliding doors moments. Like it could have gone uh, a different way had the, the call been correct uh, in these cases. Um, so, yeah, it's it's frustrating that this is still um, part of the game and how like has such a big impact on on the outcomes, right? Especially when everything is such fine fine margins. Um, so I think that's a good point to, for us to start looking at, at what's happened in the last month since we since we last spoke. So after four straight 3-1 wins, Liverpool lost to Tottenham under controversial circumstances uh, before drawing with Brighton prior to the international break. Um, also, uh, FSG sold somewhere between 2 and 4% of Liverpool to a US-based investment firm called Dynasty Equity for about $100 million or £80 million. So, uh, Luba, let's start with you. Uh, what are your thoughts on the, the referees and the response by PGMOL uh, for the Tottenham game and how, how things are going to shape up going forward? I mean, clearly, it, it, it was inexcusable. And we've, we've now heard the PGMOL uh, apology and we've, we've, seen, we've heard some of the audio I always wonder if we heard all of the audio or they just they just hid certain parts of it. But what really what I really found upsetting is is that the changing story from Howard Webb, the PGMOL and Howard Webb, they they came in and said this is what happened, and then they said that the the the, the referee on the pitch he didn't really hear, even though he obviously heard it because you you could hear him on the tap saying you know good process or whatever. You know, good, good, good job, job fellas. Yeah. yeah, good process. So he must have been hearing what was going on over there. So I don't buy that. 
And then they, they came up uh, right after the game. They said that he only found out at halftime. And then uh, Howard Webb was later on, I think a week later, on Sky. And he said he didn't even find out until after the game. Which, when you hear these constantly changing accounts from Howard Webb and PGMOL on what exactly happened and who knew what and when, it's just very hard to, to trust them. And it, you always feel they're just lying and they're just changing their story as, they, as it comes along, as, as it goes, just, and they're just telling you a bunch of lies. So, I mean, the fact that they denied a clear, a clear goal uh, and uh, that it, who knows how the game would have played out, right? And not even going into the Curtis Jones uh, incident, but th- that, that game with, with how PGMOL explained it or didn't explain it afterwards, with the whole thing about um, they're, in, uh, they're in England and, and the assistant VAR being in Abu Dhabi 48 hours before and Michael Oliver being there as well and then Michael Oliver not sending off a Man City player just the day after. I mean, all of those things. Even if you, you say, okay, I don't want to be a conspiracy theorist. I don't want to be a teen hat guy. I want to believe that it's just incompetence rather than a conspiracy. But it stinks. It stinks. And it, as hard as you try not to be a conspiracy theorist, it is very, very difficult. It's just so many unlikely situations, so many unlikely circumstances all coming together against one team over and over. I mean, that's, that's quite unlikely. So, yeah. it, it, it stinks. It does really suck. I was talking to uh, some friends for other teams, and they tried to remind me that other teams get screwed by the refs too. But I don't know. It, it seems like it happens more frequently to Liverpool than others. Um, and one of the things that I found most frustrating out of the ordeal is, like, clearly they don't have a very good process. And the type of communication process they're going through um, has been solved in lots of other industries. Like, you could just look at, you know, um, flying a flying an airplane, right? They have lots of checklists and how they go through things to confirm stuff's happened in order to maximize safety. You could do that here, replicating that sort of communication process to make sure you don't make any mistakes. And it seems like they're the PGMOL takeaway from this is not that they have like bad process. It's that they uh, just had one guy make a mistake and that's it. And it's fine. We'll, you know, just move on. We'll coach the guy on not making a mistake again. And that just really seems insufficient. Um, and it, it's hard to see that there will be change to you know make it so there are fewer mistakes. Uh, and this is the sort of thing that hopefully Liverpool is working on behind the scenes where you could actually go to other teams and show them the mistakes that the referees make in their games and say, look, we need to like band together to make change because you know it's not going to happen one team just having grievance. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see how it goes. Um, uh, Paul, what are your thoughts? <clears throat> so I think there's a bit of an arrogance around um, refereeing and um, football in England as a whole, um, shall we say. I think there seems to be this, we're the Premier League, you know, we're the home of football, we don't really make mistakes. Um, we, you know, we've, we've, we've got VAR sorted here. Um, everything seems to be going well, and then these massive mistakes happen, and there's there's this huge amount of egg on people's faces. 
and there just seems to be excuse after excuse after excuse and um you know as as you said Lubo, people don't have a straight story it's uh oh this happened no way actually that didn't happen no this other thing happened and that caused that to happen and you know there's a failure here and a failure there and as you say that process is just kind of uh, they seem to be in place but not really in place properly and other industries and other places haven't done a whole lot better but there seems to be an arrogance around well we know what we're doing this is you know you know we're we're professional referees how dare you question that we've got something wrong and then when something goes massively wrong it's like oh well we're going to review that process and see how we can make that better and you know it's just that kind of general to me sometimes it feels like that general kind of corporate crap that you hear someone say whenever a company messes up well we're going to review everything and we're going to have a you know a root and branch check of everything that's going on we'll make sure from top to bottom we get everything sorted out so that this doesn't happen again and then was there not an incident was it was it not literally the next week in uh, the Chelsea game or the Arsenal game or something there was a, there was another pretty serious mistake by the VAR where the communication was wrong but they managed to sort it in time or or there was something that happened in the net in, the, in one of the games in the weekend after, and you kind of going, I I don't really think you have got these processes sorted, even though you're coming out and saying that you've assessed these and made all these changes. So it just seems to be um, a bit of a, a a bit of a mess from them. But there's always this arrogance of you know, oh, Howard Webb is one of the, you know one of the top referees at a time in in the Premier League, so he won't get these things wrong. And and they got rid of the guys last season who were causing all the issues, and now it's a new you know it's a new set of folk in, and they should have that better a better grip on it. And you just kind of look at it. And I go, I've, I don't know about you guys, but I've been watching a bit of the Rugby World Cup. And see when you see how like the TMO works in rugby and, and, and how that whole process between the on-field umpire referee chatting up to the TMO and talking to them and there's a conversation goes back and forward. Even some of the replays get shown on the big screen in the stadium so the, you know, the referee can see exactly what the TMO is looking at. You just kind of look at processes like that or like watch the NFL and you see what's happening in the NFL and how there's a communication process. I just think Surely there has to be a simpler way for these guys to get this system right. Instead of, it feels as if the Premier League and the PGMOL want to try and reinvent a wheel, or not even reinvent, they want to invent something that is already there in other sports, but they want to invent a new thing for football and say, well, this is football related, this is VAR, it's not TMO, it's different, it's not NFL, it's different, you know, and for some reason it's just like no guys just use technology that already exists people have these systems and places in other sports why are you trying to overcomplicate something that already exists elsewhere to to, to kind of say oh well, we're the Premier League and we've done this you don't I don't know I, like, I watch a bit of European football but don't watch a whole heap but even watching the Champions League and watching Europa League and watching all the different I don't generally tend to hear of the same kind of mistakes being made in those leagues so I kind of wonder why is it so crazy in the 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 Premier League, um, why do you hear so many so many of these things happening, um, uh, and and you know especially in our matches, and wasn't there someone I can't remember if it was Andrew, it was guy Andrew Chindabias or whatever you call him, um, someone on Twitter done a bit of research into this, and like the percentage of decisions I get that VAR had got wrong against Liverpool is like far and above like a huge percentage more than any other team in the Premier League, but by a fair stretch. So 
like I know I'm like I'm anti conspiracy theories. Like I'm like no, they don't exist. But th- there's times when, as you say, liberal, you kind of look at it and you go, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's hard to kind of it's hard to kind of reason away a lot of the mistakes that get made simply as incompetence and mistakes because sometimes they just feel too premeditated. Um, so that's kind of what that's kind of so, what my thought on it is. <laughs> yeah, no, Paul. I think that uh, it was Paul Tompkins, right? That was did the, the study was, yeah. of the uh, VAR and refereeing decisions. And I actually have it here. It was like yes, Liverpool get by far the fewest uh, subjective big decisions from VAR, but have like yeah. the most uh, offside overturns. So it's like the more often than not. Liverpool have the the linesman giving the wrong decision, and so then yes. they get the the favorable call. It's like, well, why is the linesman always making things wrong for Liverpool, or more frequently wrong for Liverpool? Yes. Um. And and there there's things like that. And while you were talking there, I was just thinking about like you know when we're watching on TV, every once in a while there will be like these long delays in the VAR decisions, and you <laughs> was ma- making me wonder like, well, what's going on when they're doing their communication checks there? Right. It's not just about yes. watching the film because like they pull the replays like immediately and they're able yep. to see it. And you don't necessarily need that much time to review a lot of these decisions. And it, it does extend. And it's like, well, what's what's happening there? Um, yeah. And I think the, the, a couple of other points. One is you don't even need to look at other other industries. You need to look at other sports uh, and rugby. And my understanding is cricket. I mean, the NFL even Major League Baseball, which is one of the probably the most conservative sport. They even brought uh, challenges and, and, and reviews of certain decisions. And, and, and a lot of sports are able to eliminate, either eliminate a lot of these stupid mistakes, incompetent mistakes, or give more transparency to fans so we know what the decision process was. And the fact that, that and not just, not just other sports, uh, the fact that... Um, uh, for example, the, the semi-automated offside, right? That you have it in the World Cup, it mm-hmm. worked fine. Mm-hmm. They have it in the Champions League, the Europa League, it works fine. The fact that just the PGMOL recommended not to use it in the Premier League for whatever weird reason, and I have not gotten, a, I have not seen a, a good explanation for why it was on something about the Nike balls or whatever, some bullshit like that, which just stinks, right? Yeah. It, it, it basically now it, they basically decided. We're much better than a semi-automatic uh, technology. To we're just gonna draw blue and green lines, and we're gonna have uh, two two VAR officials review this nonsense, and we'll decide who is offside and who is not offside. When you know technology is much much better at that, and and just that arrogance, as you said, uh, Paul, the, that arrogance that seems to exist uh, yeah, in the PGMOL and in the Premier League, that they can do it better, they can do it differently. They know better than mm-hmm. than other sports, or you know, whatever is used in the World Cup or what's used in the Champions League is not good enough for the Premier League. It's just that arrogance, that bullshit that really gets me. Um, and the other thing, though, is that they constantly now they they change the rules. Something bad happens, they apologize, yes. they change the rules, and then two weeks later, and, and you don't even know exactly how they change the rules. So it's and it seems like every time something goes against Liverpool. <laughs> They change the rules, and they're like, "Okay, we've changed the rules. It's going to work." You don't exactly know what they changed, how it's going to work, what the processes are, because it's just not transparency. 
They just trust us. We know what we're doing. We, we've learned from our mistakes. We've changed the rules. Two, uh, two weeks, three weeks go by. A month goes by. Same nonsense happens. Oh, yeah, we've learned again. It's just there's no transparency, no accountability. It's an old boys culture of a bunch of Yorkshire refs. And it just stinks. Yeah, and then you end up having a season that's been refed under like three or four different rules, sets of rules. And how you can call that like a single winner from a uh, a single set of a uh, single season is is really challenging, right? Um, it, but, exactly. Yeah. Even even things like they started the season uh, giving giving yellow cards for people that were waving their hands for yellow cards, right? Yes. And then yeah. about and five Alec- games in, they they forgot about it. Yeah, and Alexis then, gets a yellow card, and then El- nobody else does. Exactly. And then in the Spurs game, uh, uh, the, the what was that? Udogie, he was yeah, already and on the yellow. And Richarlison, and they were asking, they were waving their hands. They did not get the yellow. They did not get the second yellow for that. But sure enough, Diogo Jota gets the second yellow. It's yeah. just that inconsistency where they just decide, you know what? We've kind of made a point. We thought about it. You know, okay, now we're gonna go back to to the the the, the old rules or the different rules, and 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 nobody just no consistency, no accountability. It's just ah, oh, it sucks. It really does suck, but we should start mm-hmm. looking at what the positives have been for them from the last month. So before before we do that, yes, Matt, okay, go ahead, Lubo. Do we think do we think that this will even out? I mean, do we think that that Liverpool uh, no. start getting no. good calls? And and this is the no. thing is you know I so I was listening to uh, Under Pressure. Shout out for the Under Pressure podcast and and Dan Kennett is convinced that these will start getting the, 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 the even out and will start getting good calls. But I, I don't know. There's no, there's no reason why it should even out because it, there, the a lot of the people, bias right? is the same people. It's the same biases. The, the study that, Tom, that Paul Tompkins did that looked over years and years and years, different refs, they seem to have the same biases against Liverpool. They seem to have the same bias, biases when they're refereeing at Anfield. So... It's just even if you think it's going to even out when the evidence over multiple seasons says that it does not and Liverpool always end up on the short stick of, of referee decisions, it's hard to say, OK, it's going to even out. Yeah, I mean, the the only thing you could hope is like it evens out in the like some of the, you know, rivals start getting really bad calls. It's not that Liverpool will get good calls from the refs. It will just be like other people get bad calls that cost them results. And like maybe that happens, but that that's that's the only yeah. type of thing that I could envision where like Liverpool benefit from rev- referee decisions or in- incorrect if... referee position uh, decisions. Yeah, see if they see if they took away this nonsense that they can't re-ref a game. This nonsense which says, oh, but the referee, on-field referee, has refereed it that way, and so it's not a clear and obvious mistake, we'll not re-referee the game. See, if they just allowed VAR to go, hold on a second, that's clearly the wrong the wrong decision. It's not undermining the on-field referee to go, you've got that one wrong, here's what the right decision should be, play that way. I think you'd remove a part of the issue that we're having, because there seems to be this thought process that says, the referees refed it this way. We can't interfere with that, even though we've seen that a decision's right or wrong or whatever. And I think just if you took away that aspect of 
were undermining the referee. Again, it's that idea that a referee is untouchable. The PGMOL is untouchable. No one can question them. Whatever their decision is, stands, that's just what you have to go with. See if you took that away, and that's what I think you kind of find with rugby. The on-field referee does not have some egotistical, maniacal like mindset that says, oh, I've made the call, that can't be changed. If he feels he hasn't seen enough of the information or has made the wrong call, he goes up to TMO. TMO goes, right, here's what I'm seeing. I've looked through that. I put that on the big screen. I'm talking you through what I've seen. What do you think? Oh, we've made that the wrong decision. Right, okay, let's let's change it and move on. Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. We don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa, he does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable, there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter, at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Football doesn't do that. And you're just like, why? Why not? Why overcomplicate something that shouldn't be so complicated? Just, just referee it. If he's got it wrong on the field, just tell him, listen, that call's wrong. Go for it instead of this rubbish that oh well we can't re-ref the game and even though that should have been something we're you know we're not saying that we'll just issue an apology after the game. How many apologies are we seeing issued every season? It's like they just have predefined templates now that just fire out. Ding 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 ding. Every weekend there's going to be an apology and it's just like honestly guys sort this out. Number one, stop complicating. Um, Stop complicating the game by changing rules week in week out because you've made mistakes. And number two, if someone makes a mistake, just feel free to call it. Never worry about if the referee's going to have his wee ego. No crush because he's made a wrong call and someone's called him out on it. Who cares? You want the right. This is the million, it's a million dollar, million pound industry, billion pound industry. You can't keep getting these things wrong week in, week out. And just to hope that everyone's going to go, oh, well, that's football. Let's not worry about it. It's a different story. Like our local league, like, you know, people don't really walk away from it going, oh, that, that's a million pound error there. You know, it's a couple of hundred pound, a thousand pound, whatever, but it's not it's not a huge error. But when you're coming down to the Premier League, which is effectively the greatest league in the world with the biggest amounts of money, you need to get, you know, people need to get over themselves um, and kind of go, right, okay, we've made that decision wrong. Let's change it and move on instead of all this crap that we're talking about. So, yeah. Yeah. That's my thoughts. Yeah, that, <laughs> that, 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 that sounds about right. Uh, we should <laughs> talk about the... Liverpool a little bit though. And and stop talking about yes. the, yeah, yeah the positives from Liverpool and not uh, <laughs> not just lying about the referees the whole time. So Paul, yeah. were there positives that you saw in the last month from Liverpool? See, see to be honest, right? See that Spurs game where we went down to ten men. Honestly, I thought as that game went on, I thought we were going to win it, um, because just how we played was just insane. Spurs couldn't get they couldn't get anything. They couldn't, we weren't giving them anything. We went down to nine men and we were still creating more. We were still stifling them. We were still playing. I think the biggest thing that I, that I think I've seen the positive takeaway from these last 
I think from the start of the season, from that, from when Alexis McAllister gets sent off, from when, you know, different players have had different things happen to him. I think what we've seen is a galvanizing of the squad. In some way, it seems to be right. Okay, this is going to be a tough season. Everyone's going to be against us. We're out to prove that the Liverpool of last season was an anomaly, and this season we are going to try and take this league by storm. And that's kind of what I have seen. And I know that we've eventually lost us in the ninety-sixth minute with the you know an OG that's come about because ultimately we're absolutely wrecked. Players are you know. You just don't have enough players to cover the 11 players of Spurs. We've ended up, Matip's taking a swipe at the ball. That could have went anywhere. It's went top corner. Um, the Brighton game was, was again, one of those one of those really weird ones. I think we chatted about this in chat. You know, you just kind of look at Robbo. Why has he turned his back? He's tried to go with that with the wrong foot. Then he's turned his back. The ball's kind of went past him. But putting that aside, I just kind of thought there has been, there has been, a real galvanising. I think the midfielders that have come in have made a massive difference, um, and we all know that. But you look at that Brighton game, um, Ryan Gravenberg, if he had got that, you know, where he hit the bar, hit the post, whatever it was, I think he hit the bar. If he had got I that at the bar. start of the second half, we go on and win that game 5-1 because we just, we just tear Brighton apart. And I think, you know, what's happened there is a wee bit of, well, we're 2-1 up, Brighton are good, we've sat back a wee bit, we've given away a free kick that we didn't need to give away. Was it even a free kick really to begin with? Again, one of those decisions you're kind of questioning. But I just look at it and go, this Liverpool team this season strikes me as the team of, you know, three, four years ago, five years ago, whatever. A bit more open in our play, probably missing, you know, one or two players in certain positions, you know, you kind of look at the left-back role of Robbo and kind of go, if you had someone else as a good understudy coming through to kind of take them, we're, we're definitely going to see now, obviously, how, how you know, the system will work with uh, Simicus in it. Um, and maybe just, I think if Endo, the, the, there must be something, I, I guess there's a bit of the Fabinho with that, you need to get him up to speed with the system and what we're expecting of that kind of player and, um, you know, Again, we're not playing an out and out number six anyway. That's not the system. That's how it's not how it's working. It's when you know, in possession, Trent moves in the middle, you need a double pivot with uh, Alexis beside him. So it's just the transition play um, and then in the defense, how we're working all that kind of stuff. And you know, is Endo ready to do that or do we need to bring in someone else to kind of play that kind of role? But that, that that's nearly firming up. <clears throat> A basis, or that's nearly firming up on a basis that we've already started to build. Um, Sobosly, incredible. Um, for me, probably signing of the summer. Um, it's just like you know he has been brilliant. So I, I just look at it and go, and we'll talk about this in a wee bit. You know, a schedule now over the next couple of months, we have a real good chance here to push on. And so the positive I've seen from these games is we're a team who are gelling together and who are playing for each other. When at times last year you kind of questioned, are they actually playing for each other? You know what's going on. Legs have gone. People seem to be a wee bit down about about where they're at. Some of the fans were getting on their backs, but I just feel now that that even as a fan base, with all these refereeing decisions, with all these different things, there's much more of a galvanisation of like, yes, right, we're Liverpool. We're going to go and do this. We're going to play and um, to the best of our abilities. We're going to support to the best of our abilities, you know, Anfield's rocking when you're there. So um I think I think there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff around the club at the minute. Yeah, uh, like 
I think that so far in the Premier League, you know, when Liverpool has 11 guys on the field, they're the best team in the league. Yeah. Uh, and yes. it's just a matter of, like, keeping 11 guys on the field uh, <laughs> and things will be just fine. <laughs> not not something I thought I would be saying uh, at the beginning of the season. Uh, but, like, and then you look at the the first two months here of the season. Liverpool played eight games in the Premier League. Five of those games are against teams that are in the top eight, right? So they've played probably mm-hmm. the hardest schedule of anybody so far. Uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, you combine that with this this red card thing, and that's why Liverpool are sitting fourth and not first. Um, and so as long as they yeah. can, can, like, if, if they stop beating themselves, right? And a lot of the goals that are conceded are individual mistakes, like a couple of the goals that were conceded in the first month were just errors by Trent and him losing the ball. And then we saw uh, the matchup own goal. And then the, the second goal against Brighton, actually both goals against Brighton were had like individual error components to them. So just cleaning up yeah. some of that stuff, stop beating yourself. And there could be like another really long run of unbeaten games. Um, and even, you know, and like because of how strong their mentality is, they're actually overcoming a lot of this adversity they're creating for themselves. So there might be a big mm-hmm. long run of wins just because they're really good and they're they're good at overcoming these things. So I think that you know, generally speaking, they're Liverpool are in a really good spot for you know picking up a lot of points over the next couple of months. Uh, yeah. So Lubo, what are you, what are your thoughts? So what, what what you said, Matt, about the, when when Liverpool have had eleven players on the on the on the pitch, the the numbers are excellent. I mean, I think uh, it was Andrew Beasley who posted. Uh, I think it was just the uh, XG difference of title-winning teams, and this season Liverpool with eleven versus eleven, and it is just excellent. The numbers are excellent. Obviously, caveat is a very small sample size. But um, I, I think that that's, that's exactly, hopefully we stop getting the, the red cards, which is crazy. We've had four red cards in eight games. It's just uh, unbelievable. And, and I know we talked earlier, would we start getting uh, good calls or would we start getting favorable calls? And even if we don't, as long as we just stop getting so many bad calls against us and we keep 11 players on, on the pitch, um, I, I think that uh, we, we will be able to, uh, to 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 win a lot of games and 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 the problem with you know the issue with the red cards isn't just that you lose players for that game you also lose players for the game after that because they get suspended and so it makes it even more uh, more difficult so that's that's the first one just as long as we can play eleven versus eleven I, I think that is that is uh, the, the the underlying numbers are excellent there's enough depth there's enough quality depth uh, to compete in in in, uh, in the in the cups and in the league. And, and hopefully that means that Liverpool can, uh, can start uh, putting up a number of wins uh, in a row. I think the other point is um, that the schedule that you mentioned, Matt, is that we play a very difficult schedule. A lot of these games are away. Now the, for the next seven games, and I know we'll, we'll take a quick look at what comes ahead, but um, the, the schedule is easier, uh, both in terms of the, 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 the we have three, three cup games, uh, well, Two Europa League, one cup, but the, the the leagues, the the league games, the four league games are against easier opponents. I think three of them are at Anfield. So hopefully, hopefully we can start uh, winning a number of, of those games uh, in a row without without getting red cards. 
And I think that's going to put us in a, in a really good position come the next international break. And then I think the last point is that no one has really, despite the last couple of games, uh, Liverpool dropping points at Spurs and at Brighton in really sort of un- unfortunate circumstances, no one has really run away because Man City yeah. lost two games. So now they're actually only mm-hmm. a point ahead of us. Um, and we're, th- you know, we're okay, we're three points behind Spurs and, and Arsenal, but that's still just one game. We still have to play uh, Spurs at home. We still have two games against Arsenal. And so I think that the, 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 the fact that we've dropped uh, points the last two games hasn't really hurt us nearly as much as, uh, as it could have. Obviously, it would have been great if had we been able to at least draw at Spurs and win at, at Brighton. And now you're looking at being first in first place. But I think that given all the, 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 just the bad calls, the bad uh, referee calls, the bad luck, as you mentioned, the, the, the bad mistakes that players have made, which you don't expect to continue to happen, where we are in the table um, and uh, relative to the games we've played and, and just relative to the bad decisions we've had against us, I think you have to look and say, it's, we're in a pretty good shape, right? I've been different had a Man City mm-hmm. won those two games and was seven points ahead. And you're like, okay, well, the title is looking really, really shady. Being only three points behind uh, Arsenal and Spurs and one point behind Man City, that is looking much, much better right now. Yeah, I mean, even if City had won those two games, there's still 30 games to go. So I think that, you know, mm-hmm. we, we could have overcome a, uh, a seven-point deficit in 30 games. It just it would have been harder than the, what it uh, looks like now, where no one has sort of gotten out to a big lead. Everybody's within sort of one, one game or three points of each other. So that just means it's going to be like tighter and more pressure uh, in a lot of different games. But Liverpool should, you know, have some opportunities once they get the games against the bad teams, right? That's the the thing that Liverpool haven't had yeah. the the benefit of yet. Mm-hmm. But we'll we'll see. Um, as yeah. we, I think this is probably a good point. We can start start looking forward to to the next uh next block of games. So Liverpool have Everton. Uh, Nottingham, Nottingham Forest, Luton Town, and Brentford in the Premier League. And Lubo, like you mentioned, three of those games are at Anfield. Um, and then Liverpool will also have uh, the back-to-back games against Toulouse, one at Anfield and one in France. And then um, they have Bournemouth in the League Cup. So uh, that schedule, that run of games, looks a lot more straightforward than the one that we just went through. Uh, do you anticipate it will be ju- as straightforward as it looks, Lubo? I hope so. I mean, it's it's always difficult with the derby at home, right? And not just the derby at home, but it's the, the uh, right after an international break, which sucks. And then I know we don't have a lot of time to talk about that one uh, 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 on this podcast. Maybe we, uh, there, I, I'm going to recommend there was a, a, a the Copite podcast uh, with uh, Michael Reed from Opta, where they talked about the international games being uh, or games after international breaks being scheduled. Uh, for Liverpool and Liverpool having some disproportionate number of those 12, 30 games, I would recommend people uh, look up that podcast. And it's just, it, it's, if you don't have ref conspiracy, you have TV company conspiracy. But we, it's another mm-hmm. conspiracy that we don't have to go into right now. But the Everton game at home is, Everton is always difficult, right? And actually the underlying yeah. numbers for Everton are not bad. They're, they're 
despite not having the points, they look like a decent mid-table team right now. They just don't have the points. They're going to be fired up for the derby, even if it's at Anfield, 12.30. Who knows what the, the South American uh, guys are going to look, look like. We don't have uh, Curtis Jones because he's suspended. We most likely won't have uh, Cody Gakpo unless he's made a miraculous uh, recovery. So it, it will be a difficult, difficult game. But if you could win that game, if you could win the derby, even if it's the ugliest 1-0 in the world, then you have to feel pretty confident over the, the, for, for the games that come. The league games at home, the, the games against Toulouse, you should be able to win both home and away. Hopefully we, we can beat the Bournemouth in, in, the, in, the, in the League Cup. So you like to think out of those seven games, I mean, seven games, seven wins, that would be amazing. Liverpool definitely have the talent and the players to do it. So if you could do that and you put, put up 12 points in the league, and, uh, you know, lock up first place in the Europa League group uh, and uh, advance in the cup, I think we, we can, uh, hopefully we're looking back uh, three or four weeks from now on the next podcast, next podcast and thinking this was a really, really good stretch of games for, for Liverpool. Can they do it? I think they can, especially, especially if they are able to, to beat Everton uh, next, next Saturday. Yeah, and just looking at um, at who's out or who could be back uh, in terms of um, injuries and suspensions, Curtis Jones is out for the first two Premier League games, but he can uh, play against Toulouse, so uh, that he'll take care of that mm-hmm. there. Uh, Diogo Jota can come back straight away against Everton, and then Gakpo may or may not be available. It's sort of weird based on what Klopp said. It was just like, well, he might be back after the international break, but who knows what that means. Uh, and then we don't know anything about what happened to Andy Robertson. So I would expect lots of Costa Simicus for at least the first two to four weeks or the next two to four weeks. And hopefully we get him back by uh, City. So, yeah, it, the things to manage uh, over the next few weeks are more about rotation injuries and suspension rather than having difficult opponents and so just making sure that the guys stay fresh and can t- continue to like put out um the the performances they need to uh so paul what are your thoughts yeah i think um ultimately i think these games are all winnable games um i think our aim has to be when seven from seven um, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility I think I agree with what was said there Everton are probably your hardest out of the out of the four games Brentford possibly but um, I watched I watched a bit of that Brentford game against United and like United weren't great um, but still managed to come back and win that um, Brentford didn't look all that all that great I've watched Nottingham Forest and Luton um, a couple of times, and like they're not, they're definitely not anything really to kind of worry about. But you, you you say that, and then it's famous last words because you know they know they're playing a top team, so they'll just sit in, they'll just aim to to, to low block to try and stop attacks, try and make us uh, cut them apart, break that down. So I don't I don't envision them being easy games, and they could be a, you know a bit of a slog. But at the same time, you know, I, I, I do think that we 
have a massive step up now in our creativity in midfield. And I think this is probably where we'll start to see um, Alexis, you know, come into himself a bit more because his attacking side of his game will be able to come to the forefront because he'll not have to be doing, you know, as much defending against these types of teams. So if you're then seeing him in a, in a creative role alongside Trent, alongside Sobosly, alongside Curtis Jones, Ryan Gravenberg, I think, you know, you're all of a sudden you're going to get much more creativity and much more attacking with those. So low block's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be something that, that we should be able to break down, therefore meaning that these games are going to be um, more... Uh, more winnable, um, possibly than what they would have been last season. Because ultimately, when we looked at it, sometimes last season it was these types of games where we slept up and where we dropped points, and you know where we didn't have the confidence going into them because we couldn't break down that that kind of thing. So, I definitely think that that four wins from four in the league are possible. Um, to lose, we should do. We should win both of those games. I, <laughs> your fear is doing an Arsenal. You know, going to France and it's going to be an easy win, and then ending up, you know, getting defeated, um, which we which we don't want to do. So I think you have to pay respect to the opponents that you're playing. Uh, you know that it's going to be huge rotation. That's just the way we do. We know that Curtis Jones is available for the cup games, not available for the first two leagues. So you assume that then he'll be available for those. The other players in midfield that we haven't even talked about, you know, we haven't even seen. Um, this this season yet Thiago and Bicetic I know Bicetic's been on the bench for a couple of games but you know hasn't really had minutes on the pitch yet so at some point we have to think uh, are are them two going to be available Thiago apparently had a you know a small setback again in his recovery so we don't know what the time scale for him is going to be um, so there, there obviously are, are going to be rotation options for Europa and for um, the League Cup, but we're probably going to see that a fair bit in these league games too. You know, my mind just went back to that season when 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 Jurgen against Everton in the derby just completely mixed it up. Um, nearly did he go to a three five two? He you know he went he nearly just changed formation, changed how he played. David Origi scored, but didn't we win? Was it five two or something that game was? And nearly right. kind of Origi and Shakiri. Gonna... Yeah, <laughs> yes. it's actually ironically our, our... it was. It was the same start, the same attack that started against uh, Barcelona in the second leg. Yeah, it was uh, Sadio, <laughs> Divi, and uh, and and Shakiri. So yeah, scoring four against Barcelona, five against Everton. Hey, we should bring them back just for the Everton game. I was wondering well, what, what, what Divock was up to. Uh, we need him next weekend. He, well, he's at we're Forest, see no? him in a couple of weekends. Yeah, he's I know. I'm Forest, kidding. <laughs> You're being tongue in cheek there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's hope he doesn't come back and haunt us. But it's that kind of thing. These are games where we'll just see something random. Um, I'm really excited. I guess for the the squad and the way it's sitting and what we can do with the players that we have now. Um, so I don't like the word straightforward because I don't think in football anything straightforward. Um, like I I went and watched. Our our games this weekend. So we had games this weekend in our local league because it's a small enough league that you know players don't play for Northern Ireland and in, 
in the league that Ballyclare Comrades are in. So I was watching the game on Friday night because they weren't playing games on Saturday because no one on Saturday. But anyway, um, so I went and watched that, and it was against a team that had lost their manager, had you know had had a fair few drubbins this season where they were expected Ballyclare were expected to win it. It came away a two all draw, so no game straightforward. Even if you're you know even if you think I well they should win this and should do that. Um, and it was a game that we absolute, but absolutely bossed. Should have scored four or five in the first half, but again, that's just football. So you don't, you you know, you never go into a, a run of games going these are going to be straightforward because they aren't. But when you look at these teams on paper and how they've played so far this season, Everton's probably the one who will give us the toughest challenge because of the derby and because, as you say, Liverpool, their underlying figures aren't as bad as what the you know the results have been. So. Yeah, I think I think we should be okay. I think we should be all right. I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. <laughs> this is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac, and Android TV. Or Go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, magboxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I, I think I'm, I'm feeling fairly confident about the, the next runs. I think that Liverpool will win those two games against Toulouse. And then the last two games in the Europa League can just be, you know, the under 21 yeah. team playing and you just sort of, yeah. you know, protecting against injuries like uh, happened a couple of years ago in the, the Champions League when Liverpool won all six games. Um, so I think that that. There's a lot of things you can they can have for goals uh, that are pretty achievable uh, over the next uh, mm. couple of weeks. Uh, and I think that, you know, it, it does sit up nicely for them to have a good October, November run before the big Man City games. Um, yeah. But Lubo, you have a, you have a Gotham FC game uh, to go to. So we need to start wrapping things up. So uh, final thoughts and plugs from you, Lubo. Final thoughts is I just hope, as we discussed, that we can uh, go on a nice little winning run uh, before the next international um, break. Seven games. would love uh, for us to come back in, uh, in three weeks, four weeks, and discuss uh, seven wins on the spin, which would uh, really set us up nicely in, in all, the competi- all three of those competitions. Uh, in, in terms of plugs, um, I definitely would say um, I want to plug that uh, 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 Tom, Paul Tompkins article, the Tompkins Times, uh, that uh, he, he discussed uh, uh, he, the analysis of, of the referees. And uh, if you really want uh, uh, evidence for your favorite conspiracy theories against Liverpool, you'll find a lot of evidence there. But it's just, it's just very, very interesting just to see a lot of the uh, conscious or subconscious 
biases that uh, referees seems to ha- seem to have against uh, Liverpool. Um, but we'll see. And then uh, the 12:30 games. There's been a lot written. I think uh, uh, Michael Reed again. Uh, if you're interested to hear his thoughts on that, the Copite podcast. It's a plug uh, for that one. Uh, and also just in general, his his uh, tweets. It's it's quite an eye opener. And maybe this is something we can discuss actually next uh, next podcast ahead of the big Man City game, uh, which as it happens to be, it's twelve thirty away. <laughs> I am shocked. Yes, but did you, I, did you I hear really don't like was? the 30 games. Just uh, that, nonsense that, one that one isn't that one isn't a TV schedule one. That's the police wouldn't allow it to be a five thirty on a Saturday. But we've played five thirty on a Saturday. Uh, I guess yeah. against Manchester United, we've played the we've played that late uh, schedule before. We've played Sundays late. We've played Champions League and Europa League games in Manchester. So it's just yeah. Ugh. Because I think Sky here, Sky here have that game, and they're going to be showing it at twelve thirty. And Sky here don't show the twelve thirty games. That's TNT. So yeah, it just seems all really weird. But yeah, we're off topic now on that. But yeah, just really odd. Uh, and Paul, why don't you why don't you give us your final thoughts and any plugs? <laughs> <laughs> so my final thoughts, yeah, no, my yeah, my final thoughts are: I hope that in a month's time, when we come back and are on the next podcast, we're not discussing referees for twenty five minutes. <laughs> um, and I hope that you know we're we're talking about a, a great run that we've had. Um, like, <clears throat> and just quickly, I was going to say this earlier: I don't think Arsenal and Spurs are in in the title race. Um, and I'll say that right now. I know that Ange Ball is, you know, all the hot topic at the minute. I know that he's got the two managers of the month to start off the season. I know there's a lot being said about Spurs being top of the league, but I really don't think that when push comes to shove, that they're really going to be going toe to toe with Austin City. And I still, I said it last season, and I'll still say it this season: Arsenal are not that, not all that in a bag of chips. They really aren't. I don't think that Arsenal are anywhere close to being City or Liverpool's level. And I'll also say, again, I don't think City are at the level that they have been previously. So this is a good season for us to bounce back after last season and go on and try and win the league. And I know that a lot of people are saying, we're not in the right shape, we're not this, that or the other. I believe that we can do it. I think this is the season when we're just going to push on. Um, so yeah, there's that. I've nothing really to plug. That's just my my mm-hmm. mad out there opinions that I don't say very often. But yeah, we'll put it down. This is the se- like, this is the season we're winning October. the quadruple. It, this it is the is. season I we're winning the quadruple. <laughs> <laughs> the season that I did say that, then we got massive egg on our face by you know losing out by a point in the league and then losing losing that stupid Champions League final that. That we came very close. We came very close. We did very close, and then you know we've learned from that. We have a deep squad. Yeah. It's easier in the Europa League. Just keep winning one game at a time. Yep. I think we're, I, I, I yeah. think we're going to have a good season. Just got to go one and zero every week. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and it, it is time to make a run. So I think that's a good place to to close things out. Uh, thank you for listening, and until we talk to you again, up the Reds. Up the Reds. Up the Reds. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. 
there's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.